Welcome to a brand new episode of Front End Happy Hour Podcast. Today we'll be talking about progressive web apps because you know what? They've been really pushing the web and making great web applications. We're joined by Aaron to talk with us about progressive web apps. Aaron, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are? what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. Sure. So I'm Aaron Gustafson, and by day I work at Microsoft, and I'm an evangelist for the web and for accessibility and progressive web apps and such there. And I do a lot of um, sort of what I would consider client work, where where I I work with a lot of companies who are building progressive web apps to help them uh, do that well which kind of goes back to my prior to Microsoft days when I was actually running an agency and we did a lot of client services work by in my evenings and my spare time. Um, I'm also the editor-in-chief of A List Apart. Um, I've been involved in the Web Standards Project and a ton of other stuff over the years. been doing this thing for 20 plus years at this point. Uh, I've earned all the gray in my beard. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, on the home front, I've got a three-year-old and just recently relocated with with him and my wife to uh, Seattle, and that's been pretty fun. Um, and my uh, my favorite cocktail is uh, well, currently old fashioned. It's a tie between that and Sazerac, but you know, both good choices. Yeah, right yeah. when you told me that, I was like, yeah, those are good choices. Yeah. I, I, I like boozy, like really like liquor forward. Yeah, good call. Yeah. And is the gray hairs in the beard from the web or the three-year-old? Um, it, it predated the three-year-old. It's probably been accelerated by the three-year-old, <laughs> but, but it predated the three-year-old. My wife refers to my beard as uh, salt and paprika because it's, it's red <laughs> and a little bit of white. Right on. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's also go around the uh, table and give introductions of the panelists. Jem, you want to start off? Yeah. Uh, Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. I'm Stacey London. I'm a Senior Front-End Engineer at Atlassian. I'm Augusta Soon, Front-End Engineer at Evernote. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Offline. 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 So if any point in the episode from now on, if we say the word offline, we will all take a drink. Before we get started, what is a progressive web app? A PWA. Who wants to define it? It works offline. I, w- I want to hear what y'all think. <laughs> Cheers. 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 And be sure to make eye contact because yes. mm. very, very important. Very that is very, very important. Crucial part. That's a German thing, right? Like, make sure. Yeah, you it's eye uh, if you don't look in the eyes, it's like some odd years of bad sex. Which <laughs> oh, I'm always, yeah. I'm always kind of like, you know, is any sex really that bad? Makes so much sense. <laughs> but, yeah. All makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's who's gonna define a PWA? Somebody, somebody apart from me. I mean, something that uh, that is web based, it's using web technologies, but acts in a way that feels very native, perhaps. Um, you have perhaps an icon on your home screen of your mobile device. It just feels very sort of native in the way that it loads up, um, maybe doesn't have a lot of flashing of reloading. The speed and the way that it feels is very close to native, I guess. It feels like an app. It's yeah. A, you don't necessarily have to see it in a browser. Yeah, at least like my understanding is there is a specification for what defines a progressive web apps that like browsers actually respect. Like you have to define some manifest and then browsers can actually allow you to have access to a bunch of the functionality that progressive progressive web apps are known for. So a lot of native functionality like push notifications or that's all I really know. <laughs> and service and workers. Offline. <laughs> offline. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. A good opening question because um there is no spec for a progressive web app. Oh, there isn't? Yeah. It is. I remember when the, the term came around. Maybe it was last year. Maybe the year before. A couple years ago. I think it's been yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, it's a couple years ago. And there's like so many websites like progressive web app, progressive web app. But when you ask the people like, oh, what is a progressive web app? They'd be like, uh, well, it's this thing. There's a service worker. And like nobody actually knew it. Like someone in, it's like, um, what's my least favorite term today? Uh, machine, machine learning. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. A, Full that is a developer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Cheers to that. Shout out to my front end master's course. I have two classes on there called full stack front end. Um, <laughs> no, but it was like a term that someone invented, like machine learning, that sounded really cool, but no one actually thought, like, what does it mean? Uh, and uh, Aaron, you work on this in the day to day, so you can define yeah. it better than I can. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, 
HTML5, I'm using big big magic quotes here around it. Um, or what, do we, what was it we called? Uh, DHTML way back. Ooh, throwback. But when we went to HTML5, that was like, that yeah. was a term that got annoying. To yeah, me. because like, especially like being a web guy, I would, I would have to actually ask clients who came to us for HTML5 work like, okay, are you talking about like HTML5, the elements? Are you talking like in some cases they'd be talking about CSS3? And I'm like, why are you using the term HTML5? You're describing it was, it was CSS3. a buzzword that everyone's like, right. we need HTML5. Exactly. And so like PWAs is very much that way. And if you if you go back, uh, Francis Berriman, who helped to coin the term with Alex Russell, um, they came up with it together. Uh, she actually wrote a post that basically like PWA as a term isn't for us, right? It's it's for other people. It's it's intended to be kind of this this thing to just capture, you know, what the 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 current state of the art and best practices for for building for the web. I mean, the kind of the most succinct way I think of PWAs is like a website with special powers, right? Like it it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like not every site. My blog's not going to use push notifications. None of you want to get push notifications from my site. Well, maybe Jim does, but um, true, I do. <laughs> but uh, like, you don't have to use all of those features to be a PWA. Um, Alex Russell basically pinned it down to like three minimum things that you needed to do to kind of be considered in that realm, which was running on HTTPS, um, having a web app manifest, um, and then using service worker and having some sort of offline. Cheers. Cheers. It actually has to be HTTPS. Yes. I service did. Worker, so service worker won't run. Yeah. Oh wait. I Unless did. you're just on local host. Know this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Local host gives you a, a bad score if you don't have that. Yeah. For yes. a PWA. I was thinking of it as like not using the service worker is that you have to be HTTPS, but you're right in order to use the service yep. worker. Yeah. And and any sort of basically any any sort of more mm, privacy related APIs like even location geolocation has moved under HTTPS now. Yep. Uh, whereas you used to be able to use that anywhere. Um, anything that's going to deal with more sensitive information is going to be only on HTTPS now, camera, so on and so forth. Which is all those things you still have to say, yes, I yeah. I, I approve this, mm-hmm. but still, it's yeah. a lot better over HTTPS. Yeah, exactly. Weird weird tangent, and this is not related to the talk, topic at all. They actually disabled the uh, battery status, which is technically HTML5, yep. like it was a thing you could check. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They disabled that because it was used to track people around the web because like you can get such fine grain detail on someone's battery status. It was good enough to track you around the web. So they actually disabled that. Yep. Gross. We are totally unrelated to anything. Yeah, there's been a couple of things like that that we never expected to uh, be abused. I mean, even um, shared array buffer. Well, no, I, I was going to say um, <laughs> the CSS visited uh, on yeah. links yeah. Um, was was a really abused thing because um, you could get computed style on it and then determine whether somebody had been to a certain site. Um, so yeah, people come up with some weird ways to abuse web tech. For sure. You just never would have thought of it. Yeah, which is the interesting yeah. thing. There's another the the list that that um, originally kind of came out from from Alex of like the characteristics of a progressive web app, which was like secure and uh, responsive and app like, and all of those those sorts of of things were were part of that. And sometimes folks refer to that as kind of like the the checklist, but not all of those apply to all projects. Does accessibility fall into that kind of definition <laughs> of it, or is that still like? I mean, I feel like it should. I mean, so I feel like a lot of times we as an industry looking at PWA get very much hung up on the A and don't pay much attention to the P, the P being for progressive, for progressive enhancement. Um, And for those who don't know what progressive enhancement is, that's where you're taking something that that works regardless with like the lowest set of, of technologies and then enhancing that to work with anything. And so web app manifest and service worker were designed in that way that if the browser can't make use of them, the site continues to work. Um, and so, you know, having a, a good solid baseline that can work for as many people as possible to me, that requires accessibility. Um, you know, it's an accessibility is a journey. That's a whole other, other thing to get into. Um, you know, you're never going to have something that you can declare 100% accessible, but you, know, Which you can is very hard. Yeah, you never. Yeah, you know, no, I don't know that you'll ever get there because we'll always, we'll always, you know, come up with with new, new things that we have to to worry about and and consider in in our designs. Um, but yeah, accessibility absolutely should be part and parcel of building a you know a great experience that you are then enhancing into being a progressive web app. So we've we've mentioned service workers. What is a service worker? Why is that important to a progressive web app? 
I feel like Jem should actually answer this one because I've seen some really good talks from Jem. Maybe about don't talk about it. Mm. He's talked. He's spoken about it a few times here and there. I was one of the first. No, I was. Wait, was I don't know, man. I was one of you the early, early on. Like, I knew it was going to be like a game changer. Yeah, you're you're championing it. Uh, it wasn't a game changer until Apple finally introduced oh, Safari. Oh, that, that's don't. That's my later rant, oh, man, sorry, about sorry. Apple. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I got that one already saved up. Right, saved right, up. Right. Your own personal man in the middle. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, Service Worker is, think of it as a web worker that only exists when it's working. Um, so uh, Service Worker, unlike a web worker, runs in a different, or like a red worker, runs in a different thread. Um so you can do executions, everything, not blocking the UI. Uh, like a web worker, it has no interaction with the DOM. So you can't read and write to the DOM using a worker. Um, but unlike a web worker, it can intercept fetch requests, which is super awesome. We'll probably talk a bit about that later. Um, and it only exists as long as it's doing work. And then once it's not doing work, it shuts down. And the last thing is, well, there's a few, but it is persistent. So once you install service worker, it is always there. Um, listening for events and it wakes up for events and then goes back to sleep and there's a lot more to it but at a high level that's so what's the difference between a web worker and a service worker i mean a, a service worker is a web worker that that is specialized in in handling networking traffic so it's it's there to intercept everything i you know that it's it's your own personal man in the middle i think that's a, a really nice way of kind of describing it because you, you can affect everything including adjusting headers you know changing jpeg requests into webp requests and all sorts of other stuff so yeah you can do a lot of you can do a lot of damage with it uh, but you can also do a lot of really cool things a lot too. of really great things more performance yeah, yeah a better. lot of great things there you could handle offline oh, oh. Cheers. cheers i've also heard web workers only run like when the tab is open but then service workers they can just run whenever like even when you close the tab is that true or i don't know yes uh service worker is it only wakes up for events and one of those events is uh well there's a lot of events but one of them would be a push message so i can get a push message even if i'm not on that tab in the browser i will still get that push message and you'll receive it which is pretty cool actually even if the browser's not open in, well, at least in, in Windows, you can get in. Yeah, you can actually still oh, get wow. notifications and everything. Even if I, I thought open. the process had to be running at some point. If like the process isn't running, then it won't receive any I think that it ends up being running, at least in Windows, because you can get like the Twitter notifications and stuff like that from the Twitter PWA. I don't think it does it on Mac, though. Yeah, I think if Chrome is like killed completely, you won't, or any other browser, you're not going to. In Android, of course, the Chrome process is always running, so you get your push notifications yeah. there. Not that they always necessarily take you back to the PWA, which is... Much to my chagrin, I always get shunted into Chrome for some reason. Like it doesn't go back to the Twitter PWA if I get a Twitter notification. Yeah, that is. There's many frustrating things about service workers and in Chrome. Anyways, yeah. another topic. Not, not not correctly identifying the what is it clients? I'm forgetting what the what the like. I think it's clients is the the um the object that you have access to, and you can like grab the client that. Oh yeah, yeah. Grab the focus. With, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of edge cases with service workers. That's. I've heard, and I'm not sure on this one, correct me, uh, create React app ships with a service worker by default. What does it do for it? I think it enables offline. So it Cheers. Which I've preached this for years now. I'm, I'm not a fan of people using service workers if they don't know what they're doing. And I, I don't like that create React app ships with a service worker because I've seen people have issues with it. Um, the issue, and Aaron will probably testify, because um, it's easy to break your site. Uh, you can actually, because the service worker is persistent, once it's installed, you have to give it commands. So it needs to be able to listen to those commands to uninstall it, to like stop caching things or stop reading from cache. If you don't, if you didn't build that in, let's say I shipped it out at Netflix.com and I didn't build it, build in a kill switch. And I'm like, oh crap, I wrote a bug in my service worker and it's like denying all outbound requests. I have no way of fixing that. Like it's literally impossible for me to fix that. You can take, you can take it over with a new version of the service worker, but in the beginning, when service workers first rolled out, if you had a uh, long-lived header for expires header, it would persist because that would be respected first, and so you could never replace your service worker. They eventually tweaked that. I want to say it's like it checks every 24 hours or something like that when like the tab is active to see if there's been a new version. 
Um, but yeah, it used to be that it could persist forever. And wow. Yeah, I was like, why isn't my service worker updating? And it was because I had a long-lived header on the. I mean, even the fact that header. even the twenty-four hours that could be very detrimental to like oh, a yeah. customer yeah. is like they're like, what's going yeah. on? And like, that's, that's why crazy. getting getting up to speed with the service worker lifecycle and knowing how yeah. to how to replace and and like claim the client and all that sort of stuff, like to replace the service worker with a new one. And but I, I think unless you your service worker is built to like claim on a new service worker, it. It, it'll wait, it'll install, but it will not activate. So it'll be your old service worker always. It'll be your old service worker until the... Um, the 24 and, hour? Well, no, no. So if... It, okay, so if you've got an existing service worker, that's loaded up first. Um, like, I think either with the site loading up, like with the tab spawning or whatever. Um, and so it'll handle all requests your old one will. It will download the new service worker in the background. Uh, it, that service worker won't take over for the old one unless you explicitly tell it to. There is a command now that you can tell it to basically automatically assume over the, the existing service worker and, and take take care of doing whatever it needs to do to upgrade immediately, um, or it will happen on the next uh, refresh, basically. Okay. Or, or when you close and reopen. So yeah. See that's new. They like it didn't used to be that way. It yeah. would like it would like you said it would persist always. Um, the bad part is like let's say you push this out to everybody you have no way of knowing this. Like, um, I don't know. Someone's yeah. mom, you can hard refresh, you can ki- kill cookies, you can do all this stuff and it will not fix your problem if you have a problem with your service worker. So it's, that's why I like, I don't advise people to meddle with it unless you really know what you're doing because it is easy to like, I mean, it's a kill powerful your tool. To, like you should use it for certain things, but I think it's really understanding yeah. what to do with it. Spinning up a service worker is really easy though. Oh, no, it totally really, is. really is. And I kind of like that. But I, I can see some of the downfalls of like really understanding it works so easily and you can offload to the separate thread really easily. But if there are problems and you're not really understanding that, like even the caching issues or like expired headers, like that's a huge, huge problem and yeah. can be really hard to debug if you don't fully understand what's happening. Yeah, I think um, I don't know if any of y'all have read it, but uh, Jeremy Keith's going offline. Yeah, great. that was. A, yes, it's great. Cheers. 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 Good sir. Fantastic book. Um, it's probably about a two to three hour read, depending on how fast a reader you are. Very easy to follow. Really does a thorough job of explaining how service worker works, how to build one up from scratch, how to be responsible in your cash usage, which I think is hugely important. Because um, if you're just keeping everything that gets loaded in your page in the user's cache, eventually you're just going to keep filling it up and filling it up and filling it up. And that's kind of abusive. Um, it's really disrespectful of, of sort of like being granted keys to somebody's apartment and you just like keep storing your junk there. Right. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's important that we be respectful of, of the, the privilege we're being given to actually like govern somebody's cache of our site. Um, so I, I highly recommend that book. I think that's a, a really good way to, to get started with it. If, uh, if folks are unfamiliar. I like you touch on caching because the, the older I get, the more programming I do, the more I'm like, yes, caching validation is yes. one of the hard <laughs> problems of, of CS. And if you're building an, um, an offline site, cheers. 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 If you're if you're building a site that works without the internet, let's save ourselves another round of cheers there. Why why would you do it without the internet? What does that mean? Plenty of, There's plenty of good cases to build without the internet. <laughs> but... Uh, you have to know about like cache eviction strategies and every browser handles it a little bit differently. Um, in the browser cache, it's an all or nothing eviction policy. So like if you overload the cache, like Aaron was saying with like, I stored 10 movies in there and it's great and now my users can watch it. The browser decides if you're over and it'll just evict the entire cache. It won't evict like one at a time. And you're like, why is my cache working? Why isn't I'm getting no benefits from it? Yeah, and it's it's actually like the what's interesting is like the browser eviction policy, like browsers have their caps of how much memory you can use, um, which varies by browser and operating system. Um, if you're an installed PWA from the Microsoft Store, you actually don't have any limits on how much you can store, which oh, is interesting. pretty interesting. So Microsoft allows that just if you're installed from the store, the, the ah, limits go away. Yeah. Um because at that point, like they've, you know, ostensibly evaluated your code and and what you're doing and that sort of stuff, um, and so there's there's like a slightly different. They can still like if you're taking up too much disk space, like the OS can wipe disk can recover disk space, right? Um, but you don't have the the hard limits that you do in terms of cache API, index DB, and stuff like that. All of that sort of goes away. 
which I kind of like is like Microsoft saying, okay, we're going to allow this because we vetted this. Too. You're a full blown app. It, exactly. Yeah. We've treated you as an app. We've looked at it. We've said, yes, this is not some malicious thing that's happening. You're also, un- you're also in the, like, um, the control panel for uninstallable apps. Like you show up there and, and stuff, yeah. which is really cool. So PWA is first class citizen yeah. on windows. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yep. And then you get access to windows internals and stuff like that too. So if any, if any of you all have played with the windows version of the, the Twitter app, um, they're using, um, they can detect dark mode. So if you if you switch the OS into dark mode, they'll actually switch to the dark theme automatically. Um, they're doing, uh, what are called jump lists, which is where if you right click on the icon, you can get immediate access to like your timeline, your mentions, your direct messages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're doing some early experiments with integrating with the timeline. So it's like user activity, I think is the, the name of it. But if you view a moment in Twitter, it'll actually log that moment in, in the Windows timeline, which is kind of cool. Like they're doing lots of that interesting is really cool. stuff like that just to like try and make a better, more engaging user experience. You can pin people's profiles to your start menu, which mm. is kind of cool. There's some, some neat pin, things. Pin at Jem Young in your Windows start menu. Oh, <laughs> add Jem Young on your Windows they phone. Your tweets they they want to see my tweets like immediately when they wake up in the morning. Hit me on my Windows phone. Yeah. I think like that sort of draws me to the question of, you know, like there's there was Cordova and PhoneGap in those in sort of the early days. I'm still Cordova is yeah, a thing. Ionics, you know, great. Um, but how does like maybe that differ from like React a PWA Native even? Yeah, React, React Native. Native is definitely it's I think React Native is a little more to a native layer it's still i don't know i want to call it as like it's a it's still another layer that's not fully native but it's another layer closer to the native layer than something like cordova but yeah what's the difference between is that kind of what you're asking yeah is like, what's the difference between like a pwa versus something that's cordova or because we mentioned like push notifications is a thing that pwas can can do but that almost feels like yeah you're you're reaching into like native apis and some at some level yeah and, like I mean, I think it's it's really interesting. Obviously, every project is different. Every company's needs are different. And so the, the solution that you choose needs to be appropriate to what it is that you're trying to do. But if you're building a you know multi-platform app and you're providing pretty much an identical experience on each of those platforms and you're providing a web version of that same thing, like it makes a hell of a lot of sense to double down your investment on the web and just say like, let's build it and ship it everywhere. Um, whereas if like, if you need to, if you need access, like if you need to be closer to the middle, like, or if you need APIs that aren't available on the web yet, like by all means do native, like I'm not, I don't think one is better than the other. I think you need to evaluate it based on what it is that you're trying to do, but the web is getting more and more capable of doing a lot of the things that web has done. And I mean, it, the reality is from a, a business standpoint, it's a heck of a lot easier to hire somebody who knows web technologies than it is to hire somebody who knows Swift or knows Java or what have you and is like an Android developer or whatever. Well, and um, even to that point, having someone, even if you do have that on your team, it's like knowing Swift, knowing Java or knowing Kotlin or like it's it's yeah. not just like one or the other. It's like you want to ship native. Well, OK, well, you need this skill set across yeah. multiple languages at that point. So and, and not only do you need to like address building the team and, main, and and kind of maintaining that team and maintaining the product, but like dealing with turnover and dealing with like all, all of the kind of things that we don't often talk about when we talk about building a product. Right. But th- that are real business concerns. Like if you can build it all in one platform and focus on that and focus all of your your energy and your money around that and it can meet all of your needs, then why wouldn't you do that? I've always actually thought we'd be further along in the web in the sense that we almost don't need apps, but we're not there yet. Because um, like you said, there are still APIs that, yes, the web is not going to, we don't have access to yet. But I think more and more we're getting closer and closer to that. And it, it's pretty exciting. And I think progressive web apps, that's why we're doing this episode is it, it's exciting. There's a lot there. And, and I mean, we've talked about service workers. We've talked about, you know, what a progressive web app is. But like, what is the big deal? We've kind of talked about it a little bit here. But like, why is this so important to like what we're doing? Why is it impacting the industry so much? Well, I mean, we're really realizing Steve Jobs' vision of only having web apps, right? Like that was the original <laughs> iOS. <laughs> yeah, which, which is really, which is really funny because I don't know if Apple would be as super stoked on the like progressive web apps as much as they yeah. Are, I mean, like, they're not they have the apps. I mean, they're not. Well, I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to do it to some degree. I mean, I don't know what goes on inside there, but or or inside like the Google Play Store. But I imagine. Um, 
they've got to be thinking about like how do we bring PWAs into our stores? Like it seemed because it's it's a great alternative discovery mechanism. Like it's not the only one. And um, I mean, I, I think it's cool that the company that I work for happens to be looking into like, hey, could we install from search results? Like that's kind of an interesting idea. Like what, you know, what are some other ways that we can create to um, enable better distribution and discovery and, and these sorts of things for the people who are working really hard to build cool things on the web? Apple funny enough, was the last person, the last major browser vendor, Safari, to adopt uh, service workers. And the conspiracy theory is, and I probably believe this true, uh, because the app store for Apple makes them so much money. It's a large chunk of Apple's revenue. They were like very hesitant to enable any technology that would divert revenue potentially yeah. from yeah, it's gonna, their app could, store. Could, could cannibalize the app store. Yeah. Because yeah. I can, uh, given a progressive web app with my manifest and I build it to work without internet, uh, I can build an app that installs your home screen and you'd open it and you would not know that it was running in a browser because the, the headers hit it and everything. It, you would think it's a native app. And I mean, it, it's not just, so there's the app store itself and, and the discovery and the, the potentially purchasing of apps in the app store. But the piece that we don't often think about is like the in-app purchase model, right? And so if you have an app that sells digital goods within an app store, you have to pay them a certain percent. 30%? It depends on, on, the, on the app store that we're talking about, but yeah, and, and Apple. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but and, and that's changed over time. I think, wasn't it like 70% at one I was like really high at one I don't remember. It was, it was something astronomical at one point. But anyway, um, I could be wrong on that. But, uh, but so like there's that sort of, residual slash additional thing that you don't get. So if you think about something like a Washington Post subscription, like now you don't have that recurring revenue from the recurring digital purchase that you were the one who like brokered or what have you, like that's a big loss. So I totally get that. Like that, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, that any app store would be somewhat um, apprehensive about that. I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised that Microsoft isn't more apprehensive about some of that stuff. Um, but I mean, we're, we're trying to make it work. I think there are a lot of people, you know, within Microsoft that want the web to succeed and, and to continue to be successful. Um, but there's always going to be people who are going to be like, Hey, you know, the, the store does make some revenue too. So we need to make sure that, you know, although I would honestly say, you know, just with my, my former business owner hat on, Hosting a PWA for distribution in your store from from purely a distribution standpoint costs you a hell of a lot less than storing a native app for distribution in your store. A so, absolutely, like, yeah. I mean, paying the revenue towards another company, yeah, um, paying that share or even just development costs. development costs. Like even we, just we just talked about that storage of the app in your cloud to distribute yeah. it. Like that is costing like that costs Apple real money. Like you think about Hearthstone, which yeah. is you know a free card game. Um, that, you know, that's last time I looked 1.2, 1.4 gigs and, and downloaded multiple times. Right. Like that's like, a lot of yeah. money to, to distribute a free game. So they need to recoup that in the, the in-app purchases and stuff. And I like from a business standpoint, that makes total sense. So like, no, I think, and they've also like from a, if you're a small game developer or app, whatever, doesn't matter is like, they've built this platform that can really just, you can ship to anyone. You can yeah. charge, I can charge you. One ninety nine, ninety nine yeah. cents, or free, or whatever. But they built this in the sense that anyone can access yeah. your app. That's pretty badass. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. I mean, would we have all played Tiny Bird if uh, <laughs> like <laughs> been in the app store? Wouldn't even right? known about it, right? Probably dating myself on that one. We've talked about like actually, Aaron. I think you've mentioned a couple times Twitter as a PWA app. What are some other good examples that you guys have seen? I was actually just gonna call out because um, I guess another big thing about the progressive web apps is um like i think they're still pretty similar to natives but actually um starbucks recently moved to pwa and they actually um published um i'm sure we can get a link um, um sometime but they actually reported like kind of like a user case study and they reported like metrics across the board were actually like some some in, in some places even better than their native apps for like for their starbucks progressive web app and like they kind of like limited the scope of it of just like you know very similar to their native app where you can put up your favorite location you can do purchases reserve and stuff and it was like pretty incredible i was like really impressed i don't know exactly what attributed to like better metrics but but and relative of course but. right 
I think one of the most surprising things that came out of that, and I'm probably misremembering the percentage, so somebody can uh, correct me in the show notes if they want, but um, I want to say something like 40% of their order ahead revenue, maybe, or maybe it's total orders, um, were actually coming on their PWA from desktop, too, which we don't often oh, think I'll, about PWAs no, in the desktop. Like, oh, we'll just be on the mobile browser. It's yep. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But order ahead, a lot of order ahead actually does come from wow. desktop. So people ordering for their office or something like that and then going down and picking it up. So I think uh, Washington Post was one of the first big organizations to roll out a yep. progressive web app. So yeah. shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Carnival Cruise Lines had some really big success with theirs. Um, Uber actually decided they were, they had announced, gosh, February or January that they were retiring their native Windows app um, and they were going to retire it over the summer. I don't remember if it was like June or July or something like that, but they actually decided you know given given the success that twitter had, had they're like hey we could just swap this for a pwa and then just like update it via the web sure and so they decided to do that instead um i think pinterest has a pwa that they've had a lot of success with lyft i believe has a pwa too i think i saw something about that i haven't used it but i, I think someone joke once that like uber's pwa was actually better than their android app at, at one point <laughs> i think it was like a year ago oh, but really yeah, people were That's saying awesome. like the PWA is way better. I think they've improved since, but interesting data point. I mean, it's a lot lighter. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing I discovered, so when I moved to Seattle, um, our so we were waiting to move into our apartment and then our apartment, like the internet didn't get hooked up at our apartment, so we didn't have Wi-Fi. And we, of course, have a two-year-old who is watching Netflix. Shout out to Netflix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarah and Duck, which is unfortunately not on Netflix now. But uh, so he was watching a lot of Netflix and burning through our Verizon data. And then so we hit our cap and got dropped down to 3G. Yeah, shout out to Verizon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the crazy thing was like I went to to use Lyft and I could not use the Lyft app on my phone on 3G. It would not do the like autocomplete to find addresses. It just would never finish and so i literally could not order a lift ride unless i went and found wi-fi somewhere which is so bizarre to me that wow. is and that was a native app at that point. that was a native app so. and it, it just would not function at all um so i wished i'd had the pwa installed at that point because maybe it would have had a chance of running um but yeah it's kind of crazy how much we we you know just assume that that the network's available and that it's of a certain speed even um, when i think that's the thing too is like we're talking about all right seattle Silicon Valley, we've got really wealthy Western internet. web. Yeah, it's like we have this great internet. And <laughs> I've never like, heard that before. That- Shout out to Bruce Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's super important, and it's like we have that and we take that for granted. And I think it's like when we're building these products, the whole idea of the web, especially, is that anyone can use this, anyone in the world can use this application, website, whatever you're building. And the thing is, is the internet speeds are not all the same. And so I think that's another point where this progressive web app is very, very useful. Um, and I'm going to say the keyword is it, you know, you can actually do some of these things offline. And so if you have a poor internet connection, it's helpful. Cheers. Okay. So rain on your parade time. Um, so one of the sad things is, so we've, we've had this big push for HTTPS, which overall is a good thing, right? Um, Eric Meyer had a piece that he wrote about his trip to Uganda where he was working with like um, a, a school there. I don't remember if it was a cold code school or, or a normal school, um, but he was working with these kids and their internet was via satellite, which is super latent. Um, so what they did to improve things is that they would do local caching in order to help improve things. Well, when you run under HTTPS, you can't do that because it blocks the ability to have a man in the middle doing that sort of thing. Um, so, like, in our interest of privacy, we're also kind of screwing people who, like, rely on, you know, some sort of local land caching or, or similar strategies in order to improve, you know, internet speeds and experience for the people who rely on a very tenuous connection to the internet. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. that is actually something that we just took for granted. And now we're like, no, 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 we're going to be more secure. But yes, it's actually hurting some of those lower connectivity. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Huh. 
Yeah, I mean, the only way they'd have around that would be to do something like what uh, GoGo InFlight does, where they like spoof the SSL certificate for Netflix so they can block people from streaming. Yeah, um, yeah. you know what? I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I'm like, <laughs> no, you know, like, no, not a big I'm fan. Like, I'm on that Wi-Fi. I'm like, hey, I'm paying for this. I want to watch my Netflix. Like, come on. <laughs> I think you can get on the VPN and get around that. Ooh, really? Ooh. Yeah, but like the VPN's gonna. So I'll be on Netflix yeah. VPN and then watch Netflix. Is, is Netflix faster over the Netflix VPN? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think we actually. <laughs> I feel like you we probably should. can't connect. Yeah, they probably block like, yeah. it. You shouldn't like be watching movies better. on the VPN. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? But you know, Netflix does have the availability to download, so you have the offline mode. Exactly. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Not related Cheers. offline. See what you did there, sir. <laughs> I'd say the. Uh, the downside of progressive web apps. Um, one, they are complex, like we talked about earlier. You can break your site fairly easily. Um, the second is, I think, and even today, not even I think, I know, people still misunderstand what they're for. Uh, our, one of my colleagues, uh, Tony Edwards, gave a talk on how he made Netflix.com 50% faster by taking out payload and all these other things. So great talk. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Netflix Tech Talks. But the, the question everybody we got afterwards was, hey, why didn't you use a progressive web app? Why didn't you use a service worker? And people still fundamentally misunderstand like the use case for progressive web apps. And they're always like, oh, I heard uh, Aaron say PWAs are great, so I'm going to like use it for everything. And it doesn't work for cases. There are many cases it doesn't work well. It, it's not a good lipstick on a pig sort of solution. <laughs> I love that you brought up this talk that Tony gave. Um, because I, yeah, I definitely got a lot of these questions like, oh, let, let's just use progressive web apps. And I think that area in specific that uh, Tony was talking about was sign up. It's a transactional piece that people are going through one time. It's online. It's online. It is absolutely online. You're not coming back to this time and time again. Yes, as a member, let's talk differently. Like, yep. yes, we just I just said that you can download content and, and that's very, very valuable. But there are points in a Netflix user sign up flow that it, it, that is not really going to help having yeah. a progressive web app. You know, having a good strategy around like, what, what are your goals for a service worker? What are you trying to do? What are the use cases? You know, if you've if you've got multiple different experiences, like in in that instance, if you've got shared assets that are shared both for the logged in and the non-logged in, great application of service worker across the board. Absolutely. And then you could have another service worker that handles the logged in experience additional things, right? Because you can have just because they're just like web workers, you can have multiple service workers and and they're scoped potentially to different, you know, domain or different um directories and stuff like that. So, you know, it comes down to what are you trying to get out of it? And, you know, maybe it is a case where you want to have multiple service workers doing different functions in different portions of your site. I was just gonna ask, I wonder if like some of that is like maybe a fundamental like misunderstanding of what progressive means. I, I think that it was that it's like a lot of it is like some of the questions that almost felt like buzzwordy, like as we talked about yeah. like HTML5, CSS3, it was like... AWA, it, it's the it next thing like, of HTML5, <laughs> yeah. right? And, like, and no. it kind of felt like that. It was like, well, why not? And it's not a bad question. Honestly, it isn't. But it's just understanding when it's appropriate to use it. A Dremel is a pretty cool tool, but it's kind of hard to hit a nail into the wall with one. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool tool. I'm like, it does a lot of things, but it's not going to do that for Oh, I, I love Dremels. Yeah. It will. It does you, seem like it'll do everything. You can hit something into the wall, but it's going to be friggin' awkward. Yeah. For those who don't know, a Dremel is a rotary drill, which a a ton of different attachments. It can like do so much stuff. File your dog's nails with it, but your dog Ooh. might be terrified. <laughs> he would not. Because it, it. it's making not that high your noise. Yeah. Like, and they smell the burning. What? <laughs> 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 What are you doing to me, Stacy? <laughs> How can someone get started on a PWA? Two things. One is um, there's also kind of the equivalent of to do MVC. There's a Hacker News PWA um, repo, so it shows you how to make progressive web apps for um, a Hacker News clone of progressive web apps. And I, I guess they decided to choose Hacker News as the to do list app. Uh, it's really popular now. Yeah, it's pretty popular now. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. So Gen PWA. So yeah, so I think that's a great place to look. I think also um, Google has some open source stuff with, and maybe not necessarily targeted for PWAs, but targeted for service workers. They have like SW Toolbox, SW Precache. Um, yeah. Maybe it's, I, I haven't. Now, touched I think it's now all umbrellaed under Workbox, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yes, it it is, Workbox. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Called. 
Yeah. So that's of course, also... my question is like, do you need a framework for a service worker? Is it that? <laughs> so I've said that too. That, yeah. No, I, I actually don't think you do. I, I, I wish people would experiment a bit, like locally, don't yep. play it and like understand the life cycle and like get a deep understanding and then use a toolkit. Cause then at that point you understand I mean, like what's happening. You know what it actually does under the hood. Much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like they've abstracted the recipes into like these modules of Workbox, which I mean, it's it's kind of nice. It's nice syntactic sugar, but like I think it's I think to your point, it's really important to know what's going on under the hood. I, I would say a website um, that I used to recommend, but I don't anymore. Was uh, it was actually Mozilla's website? It's Service Workers. Yeah, it was so servicework.rs. They've just updated a bunch of recipes, I think. I think it, it, it sat there and languished for a while, but I think it just got updated with a bunch of new recipes. I haven't checked out the new recipes. It, yeah. Their ideas are good. I think they like some of their ideas are like pretty far out there, which is awesome because like yeah. people are just thinking the envelope. However, whoever wrote the code is just it's like not the way you write good JavaScript. No offense, whoever wrote that. Actually, I guess some offense. Offense. Some some <laughs> offense. Yeah. It, it's like some it's, constructive criticism. Yeah. Jim, Jim will be sending a push. A pull I was going to say, there's a PR on that. I, it's like pretty solid. The ideas are solid, but I wouldn't necessarily copy the code. That's, it's not the way I would structure a service worker. It's probably a bit more complicated. Also, Jim Rant, people who still use VAR and a service worker, like any browser that can run a service worker, you don't need to use VAR anymore. I know there's use totally, case for VAR. totally safe to use ES6 inside of a service yes, worker. Yes, please start using const a bit. It's yeah. like a little safety check. It's not much. Uh, I still ESA see for PWA. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Stacy's new it. spot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's much safer to do it inside of a service worker than outside of a service worker. Yes. At the end of each episode, we like to share pics of things that we found interesting that we'd like to share with our listeners. Let's go around the table and share our picks for today's episode. Aaron, do you want to start it off? Sure. I'll give a shout out to some uh, some deep stuff. Um, so. I'm a white guy. I have a, a black adopted son. Um, I am tearing into uh, Seeing White, uh, which is a, a podcast series uh, from Seen on Radio, which was recommended by Dave Rupert, which uh, he, and, he and I were exchanging some some podcast things that we were, we were tucking into and enjoying. And it's a phenomenally enlightening series about learning more about whiteness and and yeah the the legacy there and so that's a shout out to that one it's like a 14 part series so it's some some investment for my uh my fellow white folks out there highly recommend doing it um the next one they have a series on men so i'm I'm looking forward to that one too that's going to be I'm i've sure, actually i haven't sure. listened but i've heard nothing but good so yeah i'm, 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 glad I'm that excited about that in. one um if you get really into the whiteness thing, I also highly recommend Uncivil, which is like the the uh, kind of the unknown history of the Civil War. That one's also been very enlightening. Um, and let's see, I'll just continue on that same bent. Uh, homegoing, fantastic novel, um, kind of tracing uh, two lineages from uh, Africa during uh, slavery all the way up through uh, kind of the civil rights movement, both on the continent and here, which was really riveting and tough reading at some points, but very, very rewarding. Great, great book. Awesome. Right on. I guess that's what you have. Yeah. Uh, so I have two picks. Uh, one is a game called Celeste. Um, it's a platformer game. It's won a couple of awards. It's on Steam. Um, I recently bought it and uh, it's a really, really awesome game. Um, the reason I really love it is because it takes like the mechanics of platformers have been like around for like ever and it's still cool to like find a game that's like still so smooth and so like crisp and it has a great story and it's still such a solid game but it doesn't like do anything too crazy from the norm it only builds upon like it's just crazy to see that platformer games are still like alive and well so i don't know i just really liked it there's like other games like hollow knight and stuff but i have celeste so that's a good one um and then the other uh thing is um crazy rich asians has been getting super popular so Huge shout out to that. But I also wanted to give a shout out to this really mini Pixar film called Bao. It uh, happened before the, um, it was in Incredibles. If you ever watch Incredibles, there was like a little mini short called Bao. And I, I really love that um, like mini short. It really screamed so much to me. It was funny because there was this like Twitter thing of all these people saying like, oh, that was so weird. Like, why, why, like, why did that lady eat the God, uh, shoot! I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil it. No spoilers. I, but, uh, no spoil. Okay, well, um, but e either way, it like it like there's a lot of like little subtle themes that I feel are embedded in Asian culture in that film. Like 
I embarrassingly I haven't watched Crazy Rich Asians yet. I need to watch that. But there's a very long outline episode all about uh, Crazy Rich Asians being discussed by two Asians, like and their feelings coming out of it, and like afterwards. And yeah, it's <sighs> it was like 45 minutes or like an hour of just them talking about like their their thoughts. <laughs> Yes. So. so I guess you have to go see it. I, I will. I will. I definitely will. All right, Stacey, what do you have? All right, so I've got three picks. The first pick is a song called Wrong Days by Sung Glitters. Um, it's sort of a chill summer vibey electronic song. It's also like... Is it Rosé Wave? What? Wait, what? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> so first you don't know about emo hip hop and now you don't know about Rosé <laughs> Wave? We I mean, already know on. I'm like the least cool person here. <laughs> I know nothing about pop culture. Uh, maybe. I feel like it's maybe cooler than that. I'm not sure. We don't want to be pigeonholed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's a good one for so good coding tunes. Uh, the second one is Adam De Dance, I think is how you pronounce it, by Mark Romboy. Um, it's sort of neoclassical and electronic uh, vibe to it. So if you like the combination of those two things, I think you'll like that. Um, and my third pick is actually Aaron. Uh, because he's a bit of a tech hero of mine, and it's very, Thank you. I'm very honored oh, to speak with you tonight. And hearts. Yes, hearts, hearts. I think you've done amazing things for um, pushing the web forward and being an advocate for it, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. So Pretty thank you. Sweet, thank you. That was nice, Cece. That was a yeah. very good plug. I like it. All right, Jim, what do you got? All right. I know I've been pro- promising a lot of Valley Silicon picks for yeah, those who time. don't know. Yay! Oh, a bunch. I only have like two. Uh, so those who don't know, Valley Silicon is the segment where I pick things that are just so outrageous and should not exist, and they only exist because we have too much money. Uh, <laughs> for my first one, and this is great podcasting, because um, no one else will see it, but you'll see it later when you click on the link. I have here a picture of a brick. This is a brick. It has the logo Supreme, which is but a... It's a Supreme brick. How much would you pay for this brick? Is it Wi-Fi enabled? It is not. Thank you, Aaron, So it's literally asking. a brick so with we, the we, Supreme we, logo? So you would call it an offline brick? Ooh, I would call it an offline brick. <laughs> that was a good one. That Can was used for throwing through windows or building houses. How much would you pay for this brick? What is it made of? Regular brick. Is it free range? <laughs> it's free range. It's organic. Has it lived a good life? Well, it is a, nice a good life. I'm going to put a $20 mark, and that's expensive for a brick. $20 for yeah. one brick would make yeah. building a house insanely expensive. Exactly. Yeah. Normally, you're looking at like 75 cents. I mean, did you ever see the movie Empire Records? No. There's a scene in that where he's like, you're superb manager. And now, when I see the word supreme, I'm like, you're supreme brick. Ooh. You're so supreme I'm, brick. So what are you paying for? What are you, what are John, you? or whatever the brick's name is. No, but I didn't. What are you paying for it? <laughs> <laughs> for, would you bet for, for a this? superb and supreme brick, ninety-nine cents. Ooh, Ooh. also expensive for a brick, what, though. Again, yeah, it is what is foundation of yeah. building. What is its intended purpose? It's a brick. Okay, so it's being sold as a brick. It is a brick. It's just a brick that happens to say supreme. It is smooth-sided, which, if that's what you're going for in in your building, it's a good font. Know. Yeah, destroy our dreams. What is it? No, and no more takers. This brick no, uh, that you see here. Oh, Augustus, do you have a? Honestly, I'd just buy a brick myself and carve the logo. <laughs> they would be cheaper. Well it would done. be three fitting. <laughs> Bit too high. This brick here, standard one brick with Supreme logo, costs two hundred and seventy-five dollars. What? Jeez. For a brick that is just a brick. Is that rare well, how earth. Do you want the brick? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know why this thing exists. Why is this? Like, what do you do? Yeah, that's, that's who's, exactly. Who's why. selling is it? Is that is that design within reach? Not I within have my reach. own rant about design within reach and their <laughs> ironic title is not within reach. Uh, this is Stadium Goods. They sell a lot of Supreme wear. Uh, Supreme was popularized by the band Odd Future. I do know that because I'm slower to cool. hip. Not really. I pretend. <laughs> he's, he's hip. Yeah. Jed um, is the hippest anyways. person I know. So that's one. My second pick for Valley Silicon is a company that recently IPO'd. They have about uh, 2 million in um, recurring visitors. So as in someone buys something, these person will like, come back. Uh, that brand is called Farfetch. You've probably never heard of it because all of their clothing is outrageously expensive. So if you're ever wondering, hey, you see a fashion show... There you stay. So I'll let you explore the uh, wonderful fashion. If you ever go to a fashion show or see a fashion show on TV, you think uh, that person's wearing a trash bag with a cone on their head. How is this fashion? And yet somehow you and it's I are all wearing... Guard. It's avant-garde. It's uh, avant-garde. You and I are all wearing t-shirt and jeans and standard clothing that everybody else wears. So like, where's Ready the disconnect? There, there is the uh, the in-between step is farfetch.com, which is luxury brands. And it's kind of like not quite crazy runway fashion and not 
you and I fashion, but it's in between. But the best part is it's really, really expensive. So it's, so, it's not like Bjork in the swan wow, dress level. This? I think yeah. this is the best part is cheap. Oh no. Eight hundred and eighty five for 210? that? You're just scratching the surface of like yeah, that how absurd this stuff is. Alright, so Jam, you're not a fan of this site. You're not shopping on this site. But I love the pick. What's the next pick? So my last and final pick is a actually legitimate good pick. Uh, it's Lo-Fi Hip Hop. It is a station on YouTube and it's li- uh, it plays live streams 24-7. It is fantastic for just like, I don't know what I want to listen to. I've ran out of all my picks from Stacy, and I don't know what emo <laughs> hip hop is, which apparently is a thing according to Aaron. Again, I'm not cool. Uh, but I just need some Shout music to go to. <laughs> I just need some music to go to. I just go to straight to the station and it's live. I have no control of the station, but it's awesome and it's perfect for coding. Very cool. All right. I got two picks. Uh, one is actually a little bit of a promo is uh, Jam and I will be attending NG Atlanta in yes. January, which we will be doing a live front end happy hour. And we have a little special sidebar thing going on as well that Jam and I will be doing. But NG Atlanta is what the second year that they've done it we were there for the first year i'm really excited for it they did a very good job of like promoting like women speakers first time speakers it was all around just one of one of the really impressive uh conferences so i'm really excited if you want to join us there tickets are available and are you guys being billed as gemini because you are on fire today. i mean like no but like you need to you you just like you just Yes. Totally. Yes. Yes. I would I love it. We're not good at this branding thing. We, Gotta, need, we need to pull you in here yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Seriously. And my second pick is a book I recently read, um, which I actually read it for work. It's called The Culture Code. At first, it kind of started off a little, eh, it was a little slow, I've got to admit. I was, it was hard to get into. But it, it's really good for talking about how to build really well-performant teams and in a company. Um, but I think to me, just in teams, as they talk about like, how certain sport teams work together, how the military works together. And I think all in all, there's a lot of really good takeaways. So I, I highly recommend that book. Have you checked out the uh, Starfish and the Spider? I have seen that one. I have not read it yet. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. About different right. different ways of, of organizing. It's yeah. okay. So follow up. I, that, follow right. up. So I'm, I'm just finishing the culture code. So now I've got another read. I love it. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, no problem. All right. Before we end the episode, I actually want to thank you, Aaron, for joining us. Thank you My so pleasure. much for joining us. My pleasure. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your cocktails. Where can people get in touch with you? Um, I am Aaron Gustafson on Twitter, A-A-R-O-N-G-U-S-T-A-F-S-O-N. Um, I'm also Aaron-Gustafson.com. Um, yeah. And they can also read the uh, the first edition of Adaptive Web Design, my, my book. Um, that is available for free online as a PWA. Um, well, second nice, edition is still available nice. in uh, in paperback and such from New Riders. Uh, but yeah, the first edition is free online. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts, which can be on Spotify now. Um, finally, we made it. Yep, and you can follow us on Twitter at Front End HH. Any last words? We should probably take the rest of this offline. Cheers. Cheers. Nice. Cheers. Cheers.